Good evening, everyone. Thank you, Rika. I think uh, you gave me, I can't find it. <laughs> okay, there you go. Let us pray. Dear Lord, once again, we Thank you for the privilege to fellowship with you. For your word says that where two, three people are gathered, there you are with them. I just pray that you will bless our time together and that you will speak through me. I ask for grace to speak with clarity so that your word will impact your brethren. I pray that your word will encourage. And more so, I pray that, Lord, you will grant me the grace to listen to my own voice as I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I have chosen this title. And as you can see, I put in bracket the word believe, mature. I struggle with that a little bit. I wanted to use the portrait of a true believer. And then I realized that the word truth is embedded in the word believe. If you are a believer, you must be true unless your salvation is not genuine. So, but I realized that there is a tendency for you to grow as a believer. That is more, you know, uh, appropriate. So I use the word mature. Um, I have my first master's degree was in political science and I majored in public administration. So to some extent, you can say I have a, an MPA. And um, what I want to do tonight is to make draw a parallel between a public servant and a Christ servant. But before I go, I would like to let you have the highlight of what I'm about to talk about. So that even if I stray, at least you have an idea. I want to let you know tonight that a right having a right relationship with God, which I call a vertical relationship with God, demands that we should have an horizontal relationship with one another. And that as a matter of fact, to the extent that we are committed to grow in the things of God, we have to pay attention to the relationship and the fellowship with one another. We can only get better in our relationship with God if we pay more attention to the relationship with one another. We will be more blessed and more mature if we give that um, an attention. So I call it a vertical relationship with God. I'm going to share more light on that. And the relationship with one another as a church, in our home, 
in our workplaces, and even in our neighborhood, I call it horizontal. And um, just for the background, I, wanted, I want to talk about the public servant versus Christ servant. It's not a debate, but I just want to draw, there is a similarity between the two. And at the end of the day, I just want to outline some few principles that will enable believers to work more effectively with God and secondly, to discuss how the most common barriers to effective followership and relationship can be overcome. And uh, what is public service? Many of you might not be able to define it, but you are, it, it is what you deal with on a daily basis. Public service is the backbone of the country. It is a service which is provided by the government to people living within a jurisdiction, either directly or indirectly. So in a democratically elected you know, government, there are certain services, services that should be provided to people regardless of income, physical ability, or mental equity. And in, in order to do this job so well, there are certain principles that the public servants, hired personnel must follow. And I have summarized those principles in four cardinal principles. The first principle is the principle of anonymity, which is that if you are a public servant, you should not be revealed. You have to work and be invincible. The second one is principle of neutrality. You are not expected to take side. Don't be partisan. Just do your job. The third one is objectivity. Be fair. And the other one is impartiality. If you look at all those four principles, you can really narrow it down to three basic principles. It is about how you walk, it's about how you talk, and it's about how you walk. As I preach along, you will have difficulty because my walk and walk might be the same. <laughs> but it is a good thing that you have it on the screen. So when you, when you see those, what the government is trying to get from those principles is that you have to make sure that in order to achieve success and to be able to provide these services, you must guide or watch the way you do the business. And you will all agree with me today. If you look around you, you can tell me how well the public servants have fared in this regard. As a matter of fact, the fact that we have every, that every successive government wants to reform the public service is an indication of the problem. Every successive pro the government that comes to the, you know, to the to that come in will want to reform the public service. And that is because things are not going well. And fast forward, if you have an idea of the principle of, or the ethics that's supposed to govern the public service. As Christians too, we are Christ's followers. 
We are Christ's servant. In the Bible, we are told of certain principles that we must follow. Scriptural verses that really, you know, talk to us about how we have to comport our relationship in the fellowship, in the church, in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our neighborhood. And that is what I want to talk about tonight. So what I'm saying is that in the same manner, believers recognize that it is important to trust the Lord. That is our vertical relationship. We trust the Lord. I gave some you know, uh, scriptural verses. You can look it up. I don't want to put it on. We have to believe in him. We have to obey him. We have to serve him. And we must suffer for him. Oftentimes, the suffering is not about persecution. It could be about whatever you give up, whatever you deny yourself in order to allow Christ to be glorified in you. It could be your time. It could be your resources. So suffering doesn't necessarily mean persecution. But in this, you know, I gave some scripture up there, which might mean that we have to suffer for me. And it could mean persecution. It could mean trial. It could mean have adversity. But oftentimes, there are certain things that we have to yield. Maybe our time to a fellow Christian is a denier. If, you, if, that, if, if the opportunity, if, you, if, you are, if what you are going to do, if you are denying yourself in order to get it done, that it's, it's suffering for him too. And this is all what I refer to as vertical relationship with God. But in order to be able to do this well, Christ enjoined us that we should be concerned about our relationship with one another as well. As a matter of fact, it will, if we get better in our relationship with one another, it will impact on all these other relationship with God. So also, I, I brought back the principle that we have for the civil servant. The same applies to us too. And I would like you to open your Bible to the book of uh, Psalm. Psalm 15 is what we are going to be discussing tonight. The book of Psalm, chapter 15 from verse one, five, 1 to 5. The reason why we are better equipped to excel or to do better in this principle is because of what Christ has done in us. We've been transformed. We are new creation. So we have it good to be able to get better, better than the public servant because of what the Lord has done for us. This morning, if you are in the, <laughs> when uh, Brother David was speaking, he mentioned something that I found so profound. And he said, Muhammad taught us that God is, trans no, tra is, is above us. Moses taught us that God is above us and is within us. Jesus Christ taught us that God is above us. He's within us. 
and is in us. And because of that, we are a changed people. And so the way we have to handle all this, the basic principle must be different. The way we walk, the way we talk, and the way we walk must be different from the civil servant. I believe the civil servants could not do better because they are not changed people. They do not have the, the, the power that the Holy Spirit has deposited in us. They do not have it. So, in, you know, I, I, would, I would rather say that they are, set to, you know, they, are, they are set for failure right from the beginning, even though the government wanted them to perform well, to do well, but they are not well equipped like us Christians. But sometimes, too, we don't do a good, a good business of it. And that is what I want to talk about this evening. I just want to encourage us so that we will look into what Psalms what have to say, and then I pray that you will be encouraged as you consider them. Second, before you go to Psalm 15, I just want to share this with you. 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. I'm reading from the NIV. I don't know what translation you might have. The old has gone and the new is here. Talking about transformation. And in, in some other scriptures like Romans 12 verse 2, we are told that we should not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And because of this, we are, we are, no, we are, we are, we are well equipped in order to do this better. And uh, these are the promising areas where we can make difference as Christians better than the public servant. The, it, 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 it's interesting that even in the secular life, they know what is better. They know that for you to be able to deliver the services that you are responsible to give to the public, you must have a good relationship with the public as well. And they will tell us that this is how you have to do the business. But we have not been doing it well. I've been working for, for, the, for the government now for almost 20 years. And I see people around me, how they do their jobs. And to the fact that they are not doing it well, we have the same challenge as Christians that when we are representing God in our relationship vertically with God, we have to be mindful of one another. And that is what we are going to learn from Psalm 15. Salvation, in my, in my note here, I say salvation is instant, but sanctification is a lifelong workout. Psalm 15, I read, he said, David was, wrote this uh, scale, the, the, the psalm, and first one say, Lord, who made the well in your sacred tent? I will assume that literally David was talking to God. And uh, that was the question. Who may live on your holy mountain? I think as Christians, we should always think in the light of this. If we can put all our worries in the light of this question, eternal, living with eternity in perspective. David is asking God, who? Who is going to be there? 
who is going to have eternal life? Who is going to be in your kingdom? And uh, in verse 2, uh, what did God say? God ministered to him and said, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their hearts. If you look at it carefully, you will see that this is a positive thing. God is giving David that these are the positive things that you must do as believers with one another. And it talks about your walk. It's about your feet. You're going in and out. You have to be upright. It's about what you do, your walk, which is your hand. Who does what is righteous? And then it is about your lips. Who speaks the truth from their heart? We have to know that in our fellowship with one another, we have to be mindful of these three things. The way we talk, the way we walk, and the way we do the job that we are supposed to do. It's very crucial. And that's the positive things that God is telling David that this is who, this is the portrait of a matured believer. And then verse 3 talks about the negative. He said, whose tongue hurts no slander? Who does no wrong to a neighbor and cast no slaw on others? These are three forms of evil as described in the Bible. The, ones, the first one says, don't bite, bite. Evil treatment of others and unkind gossip or gossip, right? I may not be saying it, we're gossip. He said, you have, this is the, these are the negative things. The first change, the first, the second verse is talking about the positive things. Who does this? But the third verse is talking about the negative. Don't get involved in unkind gossip. Don't backbite. Even among the fellowship here, we are encouraged that this is not good. So the portrait of a mature believer, we must seek and try as much as possible and ask for the grace not to practice that in our fellowship. I, I always thank God for Northbrook Bible Chapel. I thank God for the unity and the way we are. This is not because I, I, I see that there's something wrong in the church. I'm only, you know, I just, I was, Sam spoke on Psalms the other day, and I was encouraged, and I, I thought I should speak on Psalms. Too. So I, when I was asked to speak, I started studying, and Psalm 15 just caught my attention. And even when we are good in something, or at something, it doesn't stop the fact that we have to encourage ourselves more to continue to do it. And that is what I'm doing tonight. And if there's areas in our different you know, individual lives that we think that we're dropping balls, God is encouraging us tonight that we should pick it up and get better. We should be better than the public servant. So God is saying here, yeah, avoid this negativity among you. Stick to the positive things. I will let you, you know, based on the negative things, I want to tell you that relationship can be damaged 
by tongue. James chapter 3, he, he encouraged us that in our speeches, we should edify one another. We should build one another up. Pride can damage it. If we allow pride to set in, in our relationship with one another, we can damage the relationship within, you know, between, you know, among us and within one another. And to the extent that we are, we are not doing good in this, it will affect our vertical relationship in terms of obedience, in terms of trust, serving God, and suffering for him. We will not fear that we are good in that either. Whispering, tail-bearing, rejoicing when others are falling, I think I put it in the, in, the, in the PowerPoint as well, you know. The tongue can damage our relationship if we're not careful. Pride can damage it. Whispering, tail-bearing, rejoicing when people fall, and telling around about their, about, the, about their mistakes, refilling rather than restoring. And uh, I thank God because it would recently I've been undergoing some some readings as well, some study that really touch on all these things. So I've, I, just, I just realized that all these can come in together to help me to develop this, this message. Discord, this unity can spoil it. And hunger can spoil it as well. So we are encouraged not to do all those things within ourselves and among ourselves. I look for four practical ways of promoting this relationship within the church, in our homes. And I realized that if we can focus on four, I call it four, but I had it to make it, I made it six. <laughs> I thought I started with four, then I, I just, <laughs> praying with and for one another. If we do that, that will be good. Sympathy for one another's need. Bearing one another's burden, we should care for one another. Christians, we are encouraged to be caring Christians. We should be caring believers. Overlooking fault in one another. Making up our differences so quickly. That's forgiving one another. Six, love one another. Be kind. Be patient. Those are the positive things that we have to emulate in our relationship. When we become born again, Christ has intended for us to start enjoying our, our life right from eternity start from the moment you, we give us our life to Christ. The moment we accept the offer of eternal life, we should be enjoying our life. But oftentimes the limit, the, the success are cut short just because we are not mindful. And when I'm saying we, I'm pointing four fingers to myself of the things that we do in and among ourselves. And they are very crucial. And that is why these are the, these are the portrait of a matured believer. It is true 
that we are Christians and that we are sincerely having vertical relationship with God. But we are not, we should, we can get better. And to the extent that we are committed to doing all this, we will see that doing the vertical relationship with God in our fellowship will come just naturally. And those are in verse 4. Who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind? I call it challenging quality because the wicked persons are despised no matter how rich or powerful. We honor those, we are to honor those who fear the Lord in our midst, no matter how humble or poor they might be. And again, we have to keep our promise or our hope. Be true to, our, to your words and be trustworthy. That's an encouragement. And that's the portrait of a true and mature believer. Verse 5 says that who lends money to the poor without interest? Who does not accept a bribe against the innocent? That's the issue with money. And I can tell you that the topic of money can take Verse 5, the way we use our money is so important as Christians, as believers. We are encouraged not to be involved in lotteries or gambling. They're not good. We will not be bribed to acquit the guilt or condemn the innocent. God hates all such conduct. And I know that some of us are doing good in this area, but this is the word of God to just encourage you. On the subject of money, I found it very good when I, when I always refer to this. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. And he said, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and famine destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself, treasures in heaven where mother and family do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The emphasis on the word treasure is so important. It means pile up. Don't pile up money more than what you can possibly use or need. There's nothing wrong with having money. What the Bible tells us is that the root, the love of money is evil, is the love of it, not money in itself. Don't pile up money. And uh, we have a lot of examples. Is, you know, use money to the glory of God, not to the indulgence of self. God wants us to have private possessions, and that is why he said, do not steal from one another. 
he, he understands that you must have a, you know you must have some private possession. But God just wants you not to use, to use money to the glory of God and not to the indulgence of self. Money as idolatry, money can become idolatry in and itself if all we focus in is on money and if it has taken the position of God in our heart. We have so many examples in the Bible of people who have done so many bad things with money. Judas Iscariot is an example. We have the rich man who will not share with the poor. And uh, the encouragement of Paul to Timothy. And there are so many other people who have, you know, because of money, you know, backslide. And the most important scripture that I will leave you with tonight is found in Second Corinthians verse, chapter 8, verse 9. I, this scripture always keeps me in perspective whenever there is money involved. Second Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. If we can have that in our mind, how much Christ loved us so much that he was willing to come down to this guilty sod, to this earth, to leave all the glories of heaven and come to dwell among us. That should give us a perspective. An attitude towards money should be corrected in the light of these scriptures. He was rich. As a matter of fact, why will he come? He is God. But because he loved us. The other day we were using Brother David preached, but God loved us. That's why he chose to come and not just come to die. So what do we have in terms of money that we will allow that to affect our behavior or our relationship with one another. So the love, the, the, the love of money, we are told in Psalm 15, verse 5, is that it's not God. And lastly, verse 6 says, um, whoever does these things will never be shaken. My understanding of that is that that person will inherit the kingdom of God. Whoever does these things will not be shaken. So to the extent, I, I hope I've been able to let you see that what Psalm 15 has to offer. We have to be different in terms of expectation as Christians, as believers, in the way we do our business. We have to be different from the world. The world is teaching that you have to be careful about the way you talk, about the way you walk, about the way you do your business. But nothing has changed because they do not have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that is dwelling in us. So we are different. 
and we should act differently. We have to make the difference. People should see us and be able to say, yes, this is a mature Christian. Sometimes, most of these things are not, we deviate because, not because we want to. They're not intentional. But we have not been giving our heart to it. We have not really considered it. But thank God for Psalm 15, 1 to, one to 6, or 1 to 5. He tells us that we have to be mindful of these behaviors. Because it can affect our relationship among ourselves and even with God. So to the extent that we are committed to growing with God in these areas of trust, obedience, service, and suffering from him, we have to take care of one another as well. We have to be good Christians in our home, in our workplaces, in our neighborhood. I pray that the grace of God will enable us to be able to do that. But the fact is that we have to be aware of what God, who God wants us to be. It is about you. And God wants us to enjoy our relationship as well. So he's given us these instructions to consider. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, these are challenging, these are, these are challenging be, you know, behaviors, instructions, but they are doable if we focus our mind into it. Those are negative things, and you will see that your relationship with one another will improve if we can put this into our daily you know, lives and activities. And I pray that the Lord will give you the grace to be able to do that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your instructions. We thank you because you have called us out from the word and you have given us the indwelling spirit to guide, to instruct, and to teach. We thank you for your son and for what he has done for us. In our relationship with you, Lord, we pray that he will get better Based on your word that you have spoken through Psalm 15 to us, we ask that you enable us and give us the grace to be able to internalize that so that we will not only be the hearers of the word, but we will be doers as well. Thank you for Jesus Christ who died for us and gave himself for us. We pray that even as we go into this week, in our workplaces, Lord, we pray that you will be glorified in our lives. We ask that we will live as Christians, as mature believers, whose life will please you. We thank you. We pray for Brother Frank Wilson. We ask for comfort and strength for him. We pray that you will bless him. In his whatever is might be the medical problem, Lord, I just pray that you will give the doctor the wisdom to help him. Thank you, Lord, for this evening. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we sing?